0: glad that you're here. Uh, Tonight, we're going to finish our series, Behold Our God, about God's attributes. And rather than honing in on one of God's attributes tonight, I want to talk about worshiping him in light of his attributes. We've talked about several of his attributes this summer. And by the way, there are so many more that we didn't cover. So I think it would be wise if you haven't to do a study of God's character and attributes on your own. There, I've put on the back of the notes a couple of books you can read in um, reference. There's several more really good uh, resources for you. But you need to know who God is. You need to know Him. You need to know His attributes, right? And, and one of the reasons that, that you need to, that I've been saying all summer long, is that when you know Him well, when you know His character, when you know His attributes, it should result in higher, greater worship of Him. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Chronicles, and there's a song of King David here. It's it's kind of like a psalm, it's just not in the book of Psalms, but the book of Psalms actually has it there, and it's split in a couple places. It's an interesting thing to look up, but we don't have time to get into that. But um, 1 Chronicles chapter 16. It's a song of David, and he's, he's rejoicing for what God has done about the, the, the temple that he's building, the tabernacle that he's, the, you know, the Ark of the Covenant is here. Like, there's so many awesome things that are happening, and he writes this song as a praise to God. And look, I know that you're looking at your worksheet, and you're like, wow, that's a lot of points, right? I know it's a lot of points, but I think that these points are practical, right? I'm, I'm going to try and make tonight very practical, So that you can take these points and think about your life and how you worship and just be like, oh, okay, like this is how God wants me to worship. Okay, So King David, in this song of his, we're only going to read part of it, but it's all about how to worship God. How God expects for us to worship him in light of his attributes, in light of his character, in light of who he is. This is how he wants us to worship. So let's take everything we've talked about, how amazing God is, how great God is, how wonderful, how powerful, how majestic, how amazing he is, and I want you tonight to just think about, okay, now how am I worshiping him? Am I worshiping him well? Am I worshiping him at all with my life? I want that to be on your mind. So open your Bibles, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, starting in verse 23. It says this, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad Let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So like I said, this is David's song of praise. He's praising God. He's worshiping God. God is worthy of of your worship. He is worthy of you living your life in worship to him, living a lifestyle of worship. So, first and foremost, I want you in your minds tonight to, to understand and to be convinced that God is worthy of your worship. Right? That's that's what this, this is what I want you to understand. This is the main point. He is worthy of your worship. When you study his attributes, it should leave you in in his place where you're going, Yes, God, you are worthy of my worship because of how wonderful you are, how amazing you are. You are worthy of all the worship that I could ever give you and infinitely more. You should be displaying a life of worship to your king. It's more than just singing, we're going to talk about singing tonight, but it's more than just that. It is your life. You need to live a lifestyle of worship because pleasing God with your entire life, that's worship. That's what God is after from his people is for you to please him with your life. So David, he talks about several ways that you can do this So here's point number one. We've got one point and then a bunch of sub-points, but here's here's point one. I want you to commit to a lifestyle of worship. I want you to commit to a lifestyle of worship. Thanks, whoever just did that. (laughs) I can can see your faces now, good. Now look, I think that all of you understand this, you know this by now, that, that worshiping God is more than just singing a few songs at church every week. It's much, much more than that. True and proper worship of God is a lifestyle. It's a way that you live for Christians. And it's not just a way. It's not like you have a choice. It's not like, oh, God, he's giving you these lifestyles to live. He says your entire life should be lived in worship. It's not, it's not a way of life. It's the way of life. It's the way that God wants you to live. And look, it's not just that you are living this lifestyle of worship to fulfill what God has commanded. Yes, you want to be obedient, but it should be more than just you saying, oh, I have to do this because he says to. Yes, you should do it because he says to. But it should also just be a natural overflow of how much you love him, of how glorious and awesome he is to you. Your life should just worship him because of who he is. A proper view of God a right understanding of him, his actions, of his his splendor, of his majesty, I'll say it again, will lead you to a lifestyle of worship. So look, as you're listening tonight, I want you to think about your life. Think about how are you living? Are you living this lifestyle of worship? Are you worshiping God? All right, so here's, here's the first point, 1A. Sing to God. Sing to God. I know that we just did that. But King David says, sing to the Lord all the earth. That's the first thing he says here in verse 23. Sing to the Lord. Like I said, no, that's not the only way that we should be worshiping God. But it is a big part of how we worship him. In God's word, he tells his people, he tells us, hey, sing to me. He wants to hear the voices of his children singing his praises. This is not something that the church recently started doing or invented. Yeah, it's starting to look a lot different because instruments and technology and things like that, right? Obviously, King David didn't have what we have here at Compass Bible Church, right? But he had some instruments, and he had a singing voice. And we don't even know if it was good, but we just know that he would like to sing. And God says, sing, sing his praises. It's all over the Bible. It's all throughout the Psalms, because by the way, Psalms are songs. I know you know that. But here's Psalm 71 says, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also, which you have redeemed. Psalm 92 says, I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Psalm 95, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us come into his presence with songs of praise. In Psalm 104 it says, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. That's why churches all across the world today, this weekend, we're singing to God, right? It's not just something that we do because we think it's fun. I think you should think it's fun. But God says in his word to sing to him. is part of how we worship. Now look, it's something that God's people have been doing all along. Like, you know how old this is? And, and David is saying, sing to the Lord. I know that they didn't have church services the way that we do. It looks a lot different. But the point is, God's people have been singing to him for a very long time. And he wants for his people to sing to him. It pleases him to hear your voice singing praises to him. God's word is very clear. It's very clear about this. He wants to be worshipped through song. So look, when you're at church and it's time to sing... You just need to know, you need to understand that what you're about to do is you're about to engage in worship of a holy God, of the God that we've been studying all summer. And he desires to hear your voice. It pleases him. What we just did tonight was pleasing to God because he wants to be worshiped through song. So look, singing to God, it should be a normal part of your life, right? Like, first of all, church attendance should be normal. And when you're attending church, what do we do? We sing praises to Him, right? So it should be a normal thing that you do. You are singing praises to God. Maybe you get in your car, and you would never admit this, but when it's just you in your car and a radio, you really can, you sing. You sing a lot. That's great. You just sing praises to God when you're in the shower. Sing praises to God when you're at home. It doesn't matter. Sing praises to God, don't just let it be confined here to this one place. You're singing your praises to God. The Bible says sing a new song to God. He, he loves it. He loves to hear it. So look, when, when you're at church, right, and it's time to sing, unless you are physically unable to sing, like there really shouldn't be a reason why you don't engage in worship. There should be no reason. Like I said, unless you... You can't, unless you physically can't do it, why would you not be taking the opportunity to engage in worshiping the king? I mean, especially if you claim to be a Christian, right? I mean, look, I've heard the reasons why people don't sing. I've spent enough time with junior high students to hear their reasons for why they don't want to sing. We all have reasons, right? You've all, I've given excuses before, too, right? I've heard this one a lot. Well, I, hey, I don't have a good singing voice, so I'm not going to sing. There's a reason why the Bible says, lift a joyful noise to the Lord. It doesn't, God does not say, only sing to me if you have a pretty voice. He doesn't say, oh, if it's not good, then I don't want to hear it. He says, I want to hear a joyful noise from my people. He wants to hear that from you. To lift a joyful noise. So if you're like, oh, well, I don't want it it would be wrong. People don't want to hear my voice. Just stop. Just stop it. No, no one no one cares about that. You shouldn't care about that. Just sing to God engage in worship whenever you're at church, right? God doesn't care how it sounds. Trust me, I'm a terrible singer, right? God doesn't care. I've heard this one too. I, I just don't really like to sing. I don't like to sing. You've been there before, maybe? You've heard people say that? I don't engage in worship because uh, singing just doesn't really do it for me. I don't enjoy it. Like, well, honestly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. This is what pleases God. Like, do it. Please God. Sing praises to him. It doesn't, we don't get to choose how we worship. Like, you know, this, think back to the Old Testament. I can't remember the guys' names right now. I didn't plan to say this, but I'm going to say it. The guys in the Old Testament who they offered strange fire to God, right? And what did God do? He killed them. They they were like, oh, we don't want to do it that. We're going to do it this way because this is how we want to do it. And God said, no, 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 that's not how I told you to do it. He takes it seriously. So, when you're like, I don't like to sing, so I'm not going to sing, it, it, it doesn't matter that you don't like to do it, right? Like, honestly, we have bigger problems if you're going to sit here and tell me, I don't want to worship God tonight because I don't like to sing. Like, there's a deeper issue there, probably. Like, oh, why don't you want to praise the God who saved you? You know? Like, you, should, you should just sing. Sing praises to God. Here's another one that I've heard, and I kind of just said this, but like, oh, I, I don't want other people to hear me because I'm just really bad. I don't want other people to hear me. Again, look, it doesn't matter if you don't have a good singing voice. It doesn't matter because no one here, no one here, or no one in, in Maine, no one is, is coming here to listen to you. Like, and by the way, if you do that, if, if you're here and you're like, I'm not going to sing, I'm just going to listen to, like, that's super weird and you should stop. Like, you don't do not do that. Like, just don't, that's not what it's about. Don't be concerned about what other people are thinking about you. Your concern should be about pleasing God. That's what it should be about. Your worship to him should be pleasing to him. That should be your concern. is pleasing the Lord. And there's a few more things I've heard, right? I don't want my friends to think I'm weird. Maybe that doesn't apply to any of you here, but again, I've heard that before. And if that's your concern, if you're with a group of people and you're like, oh, they're going to think I'm weird if I sing, get new friends. Or just set the example for them and show them what it's like to sing praises to God. It doesn't matter what they think, anyways. And then I've heard this. I actually had a professor in college say this, and I thought this was strange. Like, I would rather just read the words. Like, I'm just gonna read them. Because I like look, I am totally for making sure that what you're singing, like what the, the song is, is, is good, is, is theologically, like I'm all for that. Like if usually if I, if there's a song that I've never heard, I'll take a minute and I'll like, I'll read it, you know, and just make sure, right? But that should not be just what you do. You should not be standing there just cold stone-faced, just reading the words, because you're not singing. And God says, sing to him with a joyful noise, lift your voice and sing his praises. Bottom line, I think, is when it comes to why you're not singing is you're probably just too proud. You just, you, just don't, you just don't want to do it. You're too proud. Whatever the reason is, there's a million more that you could give. The point is, if you are a Christian, if you claim to be a Christian, you, sh- you should sing to the Lord. Your worship of Him, it, it, should, it should flow with singing His praises. Yeah, okay, so singing to God, that may have been an obvious one. You probably knew I was going to hit on that, right? I told you I was going to, but the next point, we're getting into some ways that maybe you've never thought about or at least you've never thought about in, in depth. This, this, is, this is what I mean when I say a lifestyle of worship. This is what your life should be reflecting. All right, so here's the next point. Tell others about God. You need to be telling others about God. Right? David says, King David says, tell of his salvation from day to day. So he says, sing to the Lord, tell of his salvation from day to day. Sharing and, and recounting the great things that God has done is a form of worship. Whenever you go to someone and, and you explain the gospel to them, you're being obedient to his word, and obedience is worship. So God says, you need to tell people about his salvation. Tell people. You need to make it a point. You have to be resolved, especially as classes are about to start back. You're going to be surrounded by people who don't know Jesus. You need to make it a point to tell these people about the salvation that is available through Christ. God commands it. You should be doing this. And you just know that when you're doing this, it's a form of worship. It's the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. It's not an option. You don't get to opt in or opt out of this. You don't get to to clock in and clock out. Share the gospel. Tell of God's salvation. So are you being obedient? That's my question to you. Are you being obedient? Are you obeying this? Are you telling others about the salvation that they can have in Christ? Because if you're not, you're being disobedient. And you're missing out on an opportunity to live your life in worship to God. What about this? When's the last time you just told your testimony to someone? Whenever you share what God did to you, he says, tell others of his salvation from day to day. When's the last time you said, hey, can I please, can I just tell you about what God has done for me? What what God did in my life? How he saved me? How he took me? From, from the domain of darkness, and he transferred me into the kingdom of his beloved son? Can I, can I tell you that he did this for me and that it's available? And if you put your trust in Jesus, then, then he can do it to you too? God, we gotta be sharing, we've got to be sharing the gospel with people. And then King David says, declare his glory among the nations. What does it mean to Tell other people about the glory of God. What, what is it that makes God so glorious? Well, we've been talking about it all summer long. His character, right? His, his attributes. He's so glorious. He is worthy of worship. He is great. I mean, simply just because of who he is, right? So when you are telling other people about God, whenever you are engaged in conversation and you're telling them about God, you should be ready to tell them about who he is. Tell them about his character. Tell him what, tell them what sets God apart from everything or everyone else. What makes him so great? You need to be prepared to say, yeah, hey, well, well, God, my God is omniscient, he's omnipotent, right? He, he's all-knowing, he's all powerful, he, he can't change, he's always good, he's he's love, but he's also wrath. He's just you need to be ready to tell people about this, to tell people about God's glory about his faithfulness, about his wisdom, about his holiness, about his sovereignty. You know, I think I think it's kind of funny how, like, when you meet someone, right, like, of the opposite gender that you're interested in, that, that you like, right, get a crush on someone, I guess, whenever this happens, there's probably someone in your life that you're really excited to, to tell them that you met this person, right? Like, oh, my goodness, like, I, I, I met this girl, and, like, and the, the person, right, is like, well, tell me. Tell me about her, right? Maybe ladies, you've been on the other end. Tell me about the guy that you met, right? And then you can just like, just like, oh, he, he's so funny. He's great. He's this, he's that, he's this. And the guys are like, oh, she's gorgeous. Like, she made me laugh. Like, she's athletic. Like, like like, she's great. Like, oh, you just can't wait to just tell this person about the person that, you're, that you met. You know what I mean? You've been there before, right? How much more excited should we be to just to tell people about God? Like, my God is so great. Like, he is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's sovereign. He has everything under control. Like, I, I can trust that when my life is bad, like when things are not good, like, like he's, he's in control. He saw it coming. He can help me. He gives me peace. He gives me comfort. He gives me joy. He gives me all these things. Like, we should be ready and excited to just tell people about who God is, about his attributes, about his character. We need to be ready to just declare how glorious our God is. And then it says, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Be ready not to just tell people about who God is, but about what he's done. Of course, like we said, we mean salvation, providing a way for salvation. But think about all the other wonderful and marvelous things that God has done, just in general, but then also what he's done for you. The, the great ways that he has blessed you, how he's shown you his, his kindness and his love and his patience. I mean, just, just take a second and think, like, how have you seen God work in power in your life recently? If you think hard enough, if you've been actually in, engaged, if you, if you have been, like, if you have a relationship with Christ, then you should be able to say something. This is how I've seen God work mightily in my life, and I want to tell you about it. I want to tell you about God's wonderful deeds that he's done. I want to tell you about how amazing he is. And not just that, like the Bible, like God has done some amazing things. And there's people out there who don't know what God did because they've never read this and they, they didn't grow up in church. Right, so you're talking to someone who's never heard the gospel before, or they need they need clarity. Just be like, did, have you heard this of this story? Like God split the sea, like how He preserved His people all along. Like he, they walked through the Red Sea—that's amazing, right? Like, and then of course you get down to well, then He provided a way for us to be saved. You just need to be ready to tell people about this, to declare His, his marvelous works among the people. So you worship God by singing. You worship God by telling people about Him. We also see in this song from David that you worship God by fearing him. Here's the next point. Fear God properly. Fear God properly. And this could be this could be an entire sermon series about fearing God. I mean, Pastor Mike just preached about this at Revival. If you haven't, then I think that you should go online and watch the sermon from revival, because just because they were preached to teenagers, like they were, they were super good. Really, really good. I think you should go watch these if you want to learn more about what it's like to fear God properly. We're going to talk about it a little bit. It says, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, he is to be feared above all gods. He is to be feared above all gods. So to fear God is to have reverence for him, to respect him, to have a high view of him. You need to fear Him, and because you fear God, the result of that will be you love Him. You obey Him, you desire to please Him. you prioritize your relationship with Him, and you're in awe of Him. Psalm 25:14 says, "The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant." You've got to fear God properly, and it says he's he is to be feared above all gods. Now, back in the ancient Near East, right, when King David was living, gods, like, like little g gods, were much more prominent than they are today. Like, you probably don't have friends who have statues in their room, and they bow and they worship these gods, right? But that was a completely normal thing in the ancient Near East. Families had statues that they would pass down the generations and, and they would travel with these statues and they actually thought that this was their God and, and if they had any prosperity at all, they thought it was because of this statue, this God that was watching over them. Right? And so that's what the people that are hearing the song, right? They're they're hearing King David say this and they're like, oh, they're they're thinking of all of these other gods, these statues, these these things, these bronze idols that they've seen before. And they're saying, okay, God God of Israel, Yahweh, God, needs to be feared above all the rest. All the rest of these gods, he needs to be feared. So what King David is doing, first of all, is he's calling out all the other gods as false. You have to to believe that, that all the other gods there are, they're, they're not real. They're false. They're just statues. They're just objects. They're fake. They have no power. Nothing is going for them. They've got nothing. He was saying that the God of Israel is the one true God, and of course, you have to believe this today. If, if you are going to fear God properly, first and foremost, you, you have to understand and believe that he's the one true God. There's no other way. There's no other way to salvation. There is no other God. you have to fear him properly in this way, but, but I recognize that, like I said, little g gods are, are not really a thing. Right? I know there's other religions and things, but like little god statues, it's just not very prominent, at least not in our country, right? Well, another way that you can understand gods and and idols that way is just simply idolatry. Think about the things that you idolize today. This this could be, I don't know, a relationship, a job, anything, anything like that. God is to be feared above all gods. Your worship of God, the one true God, It should just far surpass. You shouldn't have any idols. You shouldn't be idolizing anything or anyone or anything at all if you're going to fear God properly. There should be nothing in your life that is more important to you than God. The most important thing about you should be the fact that God saved you. That you are in a relationship with God. That He is your God. You need to treasure God, you need to treasure Christ above everything else, He should be your treasure. Nothing else deserves your reverence, your worship, your respect, and your priority more than God does. Nothing should leave you in awe more than God does. So, I've got a question for you, and I want you to just think about this, and I want you to think about it honestly. All right, it's really easy to come to church and hear a sermon. And just to be like, I don't want to think about it. I'm tired. Don't do that. Engage, right? Think when I ask this question. What idols have your attention right now? What are you dealing with right now that's an idol? That's fighting for your attention, for your priority, for your worship. Like I said, it could be a relationship relationship. It could be a job. It could be a desire for a job. It could be school. It could be your family. Right? Or are are you are you idolizing the the thought of of starting a family? That's a great thing. Having getting married, having kids is an awesome thing. But you know you can idolize that. You can idolize what you want for your future. Your hopes and your dreams can become an idol. Your hobbies. It could be something as simple as like social media and video games. Whatever form of entertainment it might be. They can so quickly become an idol. You can can prioritize these things. And I know that you're not worshiping them in the sense of you're singing to them. But your time, your devotion, your allegiance to these things, it's, it's worship. And if you're more devoted to something other than God... To someone other than Christ, that's an idol. There's a song by Jimmy Needham. I can't remember what it's called right now, but he says, anything that I put before my God is an idol. It's called Clear the Stage. Really good song. He says, anything that I put before my God is an idol. And the song, it just, he just goes through what idolatry looks like. like. Think about it. Are you putting anything before God? Is there anything at all in your life that you are putting before him? What are you more likely to do first? Are you, something else or, or, to, or to read the Bible in the morning? When you wake up, where does your mind go? What are you thinking about? Who are you thinking about? Where are your priorities? If you're going to fear God properly, you can't have any idols. Only God deserves your fear, and you've got to fear Him properly. Now look, look at what the next verse says about idols. Here's what it says. For... All the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. So the God's word, think, okay, think back to the ancient Near East, okay? All the statues that these people were worshiping, everything that they had, God is saying, yeah, hey, guess what? They're worthless. There's no worth in them. There's, there's nothing good about them. They're just, it's just stone. It's just gold. It's just object. They're taking something that God created, and they're worshiping that instead of the creator, right? Now that word that's translated in the ESV to worthless idols, it it does mean worthless, but it could also be taken to mean dumb or, or weak. So these idols that they're worshiping are dumb and weak and worthless, And look, of course, any other religion is worthless, right? All the, all the people in the world who are worshiping other gods, whatever religion that they're mixed up in, empty, worthless, nothing good there, right? So that's another reason why we should be telling people about God and the salvation that's available because this is the one God that's, that's real. This is the one God that's actually full of power, they can actually save you, right? And when you when you start thinking about that and you think about how many millions and millions of people are believing in some other religion, it should break your heart because they're worshiping something that's worthless. All right, so these statues are, are worthless. These other religions are are worthless. And anything that you're idolizing over God today is worthless. Now look, I'm not saying that marriage is worthless. I'm not saying that friends are are, are worthless or jobs are are worthless, that they're devoid of worth. That's all I'm saying because they're good things. God created these things and they're good. But the, the moment that you take one of these things that God says is good and you make them your God, it's worthless. They make really lousy God's. Only God can save. Only God has all the power. Only God, the God that we read about in the Bible, only He is worthy of your worship. And here's the argument this is is the argument that King David says, right? He says, hey, all those other statues, they're, they're dumb and they're worthless, but the Lord made the heavens. That's the the trump card. I mean, look, God, Yahweh, He made the heavens. He created. Whatever it is that your statue was made from was created by God. God has the power. Only Him. He is the only one that is worthy of your worship. And so whatever it is that you're idolizing, you have to just get through your mind right now. It's not worthy of my worship. Only God is worthy of my worship. Verse 30, right, it says, tremble before him all the earth. It's another way that you fear God properly is you tremble before God. Along with Isaiah, along with Peter, when you understand God's holiness and you understand your own wickedness, your response should be to fall down, just like Isaiah did, right? He said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. He's trembling before God and before his perfect holiness. He is fearing God. And then Peter, what did Peter say? He said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. If you're going to fear God properly, you need to have a correct understanding of his perfect holiness and your depraved wickedness. And when you really understand that that's what's going on, that's what we're dealing with, a perfect and holy God, and you are just wicked, then you'll start to fear God properly. Because what, what is God's response? He is also just. We didn't get to that one this summer. But he is just. And so what must a just God do? He must uphold justice. So the just thing for God to do is to send you and me to hell and whenever you understand that you should you fear him you should be trembling you should understand how wicked you are how holy god is and look if you're a christian and you think about god's holiness and your wickedness shouldn't it just push you to worshiping him all the more like that's who you that's who you are right like First of all, this is, you're a sinner, wicked. God saved you. Jesus died for you, took the wrath of God upon himself. He's, he didn't stay dead. He, he, he was resurrected. And now when God sees you if, you, if you trust in Christ, when God sees you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And Whenever you understand this and when you're, you're really thinking about this and you, and you get it, when you think about God and his holiness... When you understand it, you fear him properly. You tremble before him. So when you are continuously thinking about how God saved you and, and what he saved you from, it should just push you to please him with your life, to live a life in obedience to him. That's living a life of worship, right? So you worship God by fearing him. God also says to worship him by giving him glory, right? By acknowledging the glory that he deserves. So here's the next point. Give God the glory he deserves. Give God the glory that he deserves. King David says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So God is glorious. He is full of splendor and majesty. Splendor, it means magnificence, grandeur, beauty. And and majesty is like supremacy. So in his splendor, in his beauty, in his majesty. Right? And then it says that his splendor and majesty are before him, meaning surrounding him. Meaning he is these things. He is magnificent. He's majestic. He's beautiful. And then it says strength and joy are in his place. Other translations, they say strength and joy... Uh, it says they fill his dwelling, meaning that's who God is, right? He is strength. He is joy, and strength and joy are found in his presence, and then it says ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe, it means give credit. It means acknowledge. It just means praise him, Because of who He is. You are ascribing to Him glory and strength. So you just need to give God the glory that He deserves. One one really great way to worship God is to literally just praise Him because of who He is. Just, Just tell Him, God, You are glorious. You are powerful. You are loving. You are good. You are faithful. And You are worshiping Him through just telling Him who He is. You're giving Him the glory that He is due. You are ascribing these things to Him. It's like when you praise God in your prayers. That's what you should do. You're praising Him. right? You're worshiping God. You're recounting His perfect character. You're thanking Him for being good to you. You're thanking Him. You're praising Him because of of who He is. And by the way, that's how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, what comes next? Hallowed be your name. What Jesus is doing is in his prayer, just to start, he's saying, God, you are holy. Hallowed, holy. So when, when you pray, when you start your prayers, don't just jump straight into your wish list. Take some time to praise God. God, thank you for being a God who is good. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for your salvation. Ascribe these things to God. Give him the glory that he is due. All right. Give him the glory he's due. How much glory does he deserve? Right? Those are the things that we should do. Those are the things that we should be saying. But the question isn't how how much? How, How much do I give him? And the answer, of course, is all of it. All the glory. All the glory belongs to him alone. So you got to give God glory with your life, right? with your words, with your actions, with your thoughts, with your intentions, with your motivations, with your desires. They should all glorify God. Right? The chief goal, the chief goal of your life, the number one goal of your life as a Christian should be to bring God glory. So when you wake up in the morning and you pray, if you start praying, hey God, please, help me to give you glory today. Help me to obey you today. Help me to glorify you with my words and my actions. Help me to glorify you with the things that I look at and the things that I say. Help my life to give you glory because God is worthy of all the glory, of all the honor, of all the praise It's due to him. So your life should be all about giving him glory. And a life that looks like that is a life of worship. And King David, he says, bring yourself before God, offer, um, you know, give an offering to him. It's essentially the same thing there. Your life is an offering to him. You You think of your life that way? Just say, God, let my life be an offering to you. I'm going to glorify you. I want you to be pleased with my life. That's what the offerings were for Old Testament, right? Number one, because it was, you know, the blood, the sprinkle of the blood was, was, was covering. It was um, atoning for their sins. But there were also other sacrifices that were just just meant to be pleasing to God. So they would bring these things to God and they would offer these sacrifices simply because they just wanted to please him. Now, we don't do that anymore, but what we are doing is we're saying, God, I want you to be pleased with my life. Let my life be an offering to you that you are pleased with. So King David, he says, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. I think this is really cool. Another way to put this is to worship God in holy attire. I think the New American Standard or something like that says in holy attire. Some people... We'll take that, holy attire. When you think of the word attire, right? You think of like, well, okay, I'm putting on something. That's my attire, like my wardrobe, right? So there are some people out there who will say, this is why you should wear a suit to church. Say, yeah, you gotta wear a suit and a dress to church because you should be dressed in holy attire. No, that's not what that is saying. They didn't have suits when King David said this, right? Holy attire. It should call to mind the garments that the priests would wear the things that the priest would put on to enter into the temple that he would wear into the Holy of Holies, right? So, not literal clothes because we don't do that anymore because of Christ. You need to be thinking about clothing yourself in holiness. Clothing yourself in If you are clothing yourself in holiness, if you are pursuing holiness with your life, you, you're worshiping God through that. Living a life of holiness It's an act of worship. So again, it's not about what you're physically putting on your body, but it's about personal holiness. And then another way to understand this, of course, is worshiping God because of His holiness. Now, so the last thing that King David, he points out, that God's people should do in worship to Him, is to rejoice because he reigns. Rejoice because God reigns. Verse 31 says, Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. So look another way to live this lifestyle of worship is to be joyful because the Lord reigns. And really... God God is always reigning. He will never be knocked down from his throne. So Christians should just be joyful people. If you want to worship God with your life, then be joyful. Be the type of person that no matter what's going on, no matter what terrible situation that you're facing, they will come. Have joy through it. Be joyful. Because God is reigning, God is ruling. You always have a reason to be joyful as a child of God. So look, think about, think about what is your life reflecting? Is your life reflecting this lifestyle of worship? Or have you taken and have you, have you just confined worship to like one or two areas and said, that's, that's how I worship, that's when I worship, I'm going to do what I want the rest of the time. Because if you're not careful, you can do that very easily. Has thinking about God's attributes led you to greater worship of Him? Do you worship God as his word says to do? Are you giving God the glory that he deserves? A proper understanding of God and a high view of him should always lead to worship. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. God, you you truly are unsearchable. I know we've spent the last several weeks talking about your attributes, about who you are, but the truth is we've barely scratched the surface. God, please help us to be in awe of who you are. Help us to worship you because of who you are, because of what you've done for us. Please, God, help us to commit to living lives that please you. God, help us to make decisions that glorify you. Help us to say things that glorify you. Help our lives to bring you glory. Be with us now as we sing this song to you. Help help us to really worship. Help, I, don't, I don't want to go through the motions anymore, God. Help us to worship you now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.